All right, welcome to the Bear Fruit Show. We got special guest with us, Eric Nelson. Welcome to the show, Eric. God, my pleasure, man. This is awesome. This is uh, it's so good to see you again. I know you're in the weeds because you got a one month old, so I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit about you. So Eric Nelson is a founding principal of Wild Oak Capital. He has been investing in real estate for over ten years. Eric. And the Wild Oak team provide investment opportunities through multifamily syndication. As a co-owner of a civil engineering firm, Eric's range of skills suits the field of syndication and real estate on both the technical level and the client relations side. Eric is also the host of the Real Estate Mindset That's a Real Estate Mindset podcast, where he discusses with industry leaders what it takes to be a successful investor based on. The continuous personnel and professional growth. He credits his success in real estate to the work with mentors and coaches, as well as pay it forward mindset. So um, I love that last that last line. So uh, excited to have you on here, Eric. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I appreciate the intro, man. I mean, it's kind of like a mouthful, so I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you for that. <laughs> uh, you're good. But, you're good. Yeah. Uh, so it's my absolute pleasure to be here with you, Kyle. Awesome. Awesome. Eric, so it's kind of tell me your story. I mean, I, I know we've talked about it a little bit before, but tell me your story of like how you how you got into real estate syndication and doing multifamily. I mean, I think there's so many people who want to do that. They just don't know how to get started or don't know where to go. And uh, I think they can learn a lot from your story. So kind of tell me a little yeah. bit what that was. Yeah, like. sure. I mean, I'm going to go kind of way back. So um, basically, when I was in college, uh, I kind of had this idea to buy a house instead of renting, you know, and I think a lot of people have that idea just like, oh, I'm tired of paying rent, whatever. Um, but this is back in like 2007. So, you know, you could basically, anyone could get a loan, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> so I was yeah, one of those people yeah. like I had a job in the summer working for an engineer. So I was making okay money for a college kid. And my brother had like just got back from deployment. So we had a little cash. And so we were like, let's just buy a house. So we used, an FHA loan. And at the time it was 1% down, which is pretty wild. Nice. Um, so we bought this house in college and we kind of rented it out <clears> to our friends. And honestly, that kind of gave me the bug, right? I mean, the, our friends were renting from us at a good price and we were still basically living for free. Yeah. At the same time, we were kind of fixing up the house. And so it was kind of this weird like house hack slash flip slash we had no business having that loan, but luckily we always made our payments. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we sold that basically when we graduated college. And like, even though it was, even though it was 2010, it was a pretty bad market time. We still made a little money. So I was like, man, that there's something to this. Right. Yeah. So fast forward a few years later, my wife and I kind of bounced around, moved around. We finally landed back in Durango where we live now. And, uh, we bought a house together and then, we actually went on a trip. We actually took a year off and we talked about this before. Yeah. My wife and I drove from here to Patagonia in a, in a car. So we took this year off and that's a whole story in itself. But we rented the house out while we were gone. And then I got, uh, you know, basically we were like landlord, true landlords for the first time. Yeah. And so when we got back. Um, we kind of wanted to start a family. And so, you know, we did, we had our first son. And so I would just like walk the neighborhoods and, call every for rent sign that I saw. And, and mm. it's like one get to learn the market, but two, I would always ask the question like, Hey, I'm actually not looking to rent. I'm looking to buy. Would you be interested to sell? And most people of course are like, no, 
and I'm, and you know, there's no hard feelings. I'm like, okay, well, nice looking property. See you later. And it, it got me kind of really knowing this triangle market, just almost daily walks. Finally, I'm on this walk and I see this woman. Um, I have the, basically the similar story of the same thing, but basically she agreed to sell her house, which is a triplex. It was like two, a duplex in the back and the house in the front with owner financing terms. And that was pretty cool because again, yeah. it was kind of a low down payment. And the best part was we got to keep our old house and move into this new house. So all of a sudden in like blink of an eye, we are landlords to three units and we're living in this house. And I'm like, wow, this, you know, with creative financing, with kind of like using, I don't know, basically again, creativity, you can like get into this stuff. Right. So yeah, yeah. after that, we started to grow a little more. We partnered with our father-in-law who's, you know, our, my parents-in-law are amazing people. And so they, they basically had trust in us and said, okay, buy another one. And so we, we use basically their capital and our kind of hustle to get another rental property. And then after that, there's oddly, I have a very similar story with a sixplex in town. Same story, walking my kid, saw this kind of multifamily property-ish in Durango. This gentleman had, you know, he's like actually putting an old for rent sign out in the yard. It was like faded. It'd been used so much, you know, over the years, he'd never changed rent. He just... Someone moved out. He just put the friend sign in the yard. He, that's only advertising he did. Yeah, nothing online. It's just a sign in the yard. And luckily, Durango's market's so hot that it works, right? So yeah. Anyway, so matter. I I approached him the same story, and and I was kind of like, yeah, I'd be interested to buy. And it's really funny too because, you know, I know I think that house. I know what that property's worth, worth one point two million, let's say at the time. And he was like, well, yeah, I would I'd consider selling, but I'd need like a million dollars. And he threw out a million bucks as if it was like totally unachievable. And don't get me wrong, a million dollars had me losing sleep, right? But sure, um, it's a ton of money. But I was like, okay, let me think on it. So then I gave him a few weeks, called him back, and I was like, well, that I think we could do a million, but we would need an owner financing. And I I kind of looked up the property. I knew he had uh, inherited it and he owned it outright. Yeah. So he's like, well, what's owner financing? You know. So I kind of explained a little bit what it looked like, some of the benefits for both parties. One thing I like to say in an owner financing situation is like, look, even if we default in a terrible situation, guess what? You get the property back. Exactly. And you've gained this income the whole time and probably we fixed it up. So that was basically the start of my real estate journey. Then what happened was now all of a sudden I'm a landlord to like 11 people and we're out of money. (laughs) That was like, I was like, what do I do now? You know? And so... Uh, I met a, a friend of mine who's I'm actually having lunch with him today. He's still kind of my mentor, and he was doing the syndication thing. And at first, I was like, "That's not for me. Like, I don't want to have a bunch of investors. I don't yeah. want to deal with you know bigger properties." But after I kind of learned about the process and I kind of like built my own kind of framework around how I wanted to do it, it actually is perfect. So essentially, what we're doing is we're grouping people together to buy these buildings, then we fix them up. And we have this like people first motto. So we never kick people out and we Mm. really want to treat tenants with the utmost respect. And I think landlords get a bad reputation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's true. And it's unfortunate. And so with, with that, basically we do is we increase rents. And of course that comes with an increase in property valuation. So our investors are making money. We're making money and the tenants get a way better place to live and better Mm. treatment. So it's kind of this win, win, win. Which I really love. So that's kind of the long story of how it came about. Yeah, um, I can get way more into syndication, of course, but that's essentially like the the path to getting there. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
when did you, I mean, was it when you met that mentor that you were like, Hey, I can, you, at first you said, this isn't for me, but then you kind of realized like this is for me. Did you kind of frame it in a different way to make it for you? Or was it just the realization of like, Hey, this is how you do it. Um, what was kind of that? I think part of it was maybe like fear of the unknown was mm-hmm. one and two of just like fear of, of letting go of control. So one thing I was a little bit, I was a little bit fearful of partnerships because, you know, I had kind of built this like system of creative financing and I was managing myself. And so and plus yeah. I was doing all the work myself looking back I mean, I'm glad I did it, but I was just spending an enormous amount of time fixing properties, talking to tenants, you know, all the stuff that comes along with management. Yeah. And now, now that, you know, once I basically got educated, I was like, oh, actually syndication isn't that difficult. Honestly, it's not. I mean, no. you, you have to have an investor base and you have to build trust with your investors. That's the hardest piece, right? Is to prove yeah. that you can do this. But your attorney puts together all the paperwork. There's all these programs and systems in place. I mean, if you go to our website, you literally click invest now. If there's an offering and we know you, you know, we have to have a conversation, make sure we're a good fit. But like you literally yeah, do yeah, everything yeah. in one place. You sign all the paperwork. There's even wiring instructions right there. So it's incredibly easy. <laughs> so the system is set up fairly simple. So it was kind of like fear of the unknown. It was a huge piece, right? I'm like, oh, mm. actually, this is not it's not easy, but it's not that challenging either. And the other thing is like once I learned what the returns were and the risks for investors, I'm like, I am all in. These you know, real estate, at least in this format, has outperformed the stock market enormously. Then if you bring in taxes, yeah, because you're a true owner, right? So you're you yeah. own a portion of the property, you get a depreciation. I mean, you get all of these tax benefits. You know, it's it's deferred tax, but it's still a huge benefit to people. So tell me what you mean by like it's outperformed the, you know, the S and P or just like the stock market. Like, what is what do you mean outperformed? Because I think I think there I don't disagree with you, but I think there'd be a lot of people who do disagree with you based on just what they know. So Help me understand that a little bit. Yeah, I think if you kind of like, all right, let's step back and look at the full picture, right? So a couple things. One is I think most people sort of forget about taxes and fees. So Mm -hmm. like, let's say you have a traditional 401k to work. Okay, let's say I have an employee mass even. They're sort of giving you essentially free money. Your money is going into this account, but the struggle is you can't touch it until a certain age. So if you try and grab mm-hmm. that money, you pay an enormous fee or you pay an enormous pile of taxes or both. Yeah, so you yeah. may be sort of building this kind of wealth over time. So there's, I guess there's a lot of ways to look at it. I'll just say percentage wise, just straight up. Let's say the S&P has done 8% over the last 50 years. And I don't know the metrics. I don't really sure, watch sure, the stock sure. market. It's probably in that range. You know, a real estate investment like this annualized is going to be more like, 16 to 20 plus wow. plus the tax hit on that is long-term capital gains is somewhere in the 15% range, mm-hmm. which you can defer until you sell the property. So the entire time you own, you don't pay any taxes. Usually you're paying, usually you're showing a loss. And yeah. when you sell, you know, you're going to have to capture that of course, but it's around 15% for most people. That's a pretty darn good tax rate. So when you say, okay, I'll either invest my own cash in the stock market, then I'll take it out. Chances are you're you're paying ordinary income on some of that, or you're paying short-term capital gains. Either yeah. way, huge taxes. 
Yeah. Then, you know, let's say it's in a 401k again, you can't even touch it. No. The other thing is maybe you have a self-directed IRA or 401k. There's still a ton of rules, right? So you can't use leverage. Yeah. So there's just a lot of benefits to real estate. And I don't pretend to be an expert, but I will say with certainty in this type of investment, in this type of structure, it's going to outperform. I mean, generally will outperform the stock market in a less risky way. That's my opinion. The other thing is, you know me, you know, you, you can drive that property and look at it. You can go inside of some units. I mean, that's another thing I like about it. It's, it's a so real dangerous. asset. It's not, it's 100%. not something like it, in a stock. It's a, it's not even paper. It's like, it's just this thing over here that maybe has value, maybe doesn't, right. It's propped up or who knows, right. It's all the totally. Money yeah. And everything. So it's like, it's not, it's not real. It's not tangible. Um, it's just a, and it's an interesting thing. I mean, do you even have like a 401k or like I do, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like five grand or something. I mean, it's not like it's, it's yeah. so little because I've taken everything out of it, you know? Yeah. I've I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, I, the reason that part of it is just because I truly believe in what I'm doing. Right. So yeah. I'm investing alongside the investors and yeah. I think people like to hear that too. Like, look, my yeah. money is going in on the same side as you. I'm getting the same earnings you are on on that side of the transaction. And I believe wholeheartedly in what we're doing. You know, it sounds like I'm selling and I kind of am because I, the part of the reason for the podcast and part of the reason for going on podcasts like this is to get the word out. It's like yeah. Wall Street has so much power and has so much influence. Like you click on the TV, there's not really another... There's not TV channels showing like sort of other asset classes like this. You know, yeah. they're just talking about stocks. So we yeah. talked, it's so funny and I don't want to hammer this, but like, let's talk about like Tesla or Facebook. I mean, yeah. what Tesla hasn't shown a profit ever that I'm aware yeah. of. And yeah. somehow, somehow the stock makes money. I mean, so that type of thing just kind of baffles me a little bit. I, yeah. I believe Elon Musk obviously is, is a genius, but I'm just, I'm just saying like a tangible asset, you can prove income and it has a profit year over year. That to me is a little bit safer investment in general anyway. So, yeah. all right, I'll, I'll be, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I, I agree. I mean, I don't have, I always ask people and you know, this is a touchy subject when I think about friends that I, that are, you know, maybe financial advisors and stuff like that, but there's like a, uh, like a 2% are actually, um, you know, have a fiduciary duty and they always give the, you know, they don't give the actual rate of return. They just give the average rate of return and all those things. And, when I look at it, I'm like, man, like people can do better on their own, right? Even if, in my opinion, right? So it's like, it's just an interesting industry, in my opinion. And like, I think even, even from a safety standpoint and a stack tax standpoint, like you, I mean, from a safety standpoint, like you said, it's a real asset. Like crap hits the fan, people are still going to need somewhere to live, right? And if crap hits the fan, like, People are going to be selling their stocks like crazy, and I know people who who literally can't retire right now because they had all their monies in stocks, and you know certain stocks went down 30, 40, 50 percent, especially some of these tech stocks. So it's like it's just an interesting, uh, interesting place. It is no, and I, I will say, and that's it's, it's super unfortunate because you're actually right. Like you know what you see on paper as the return is sometimes before fees, sometimes for all the stuff that comes along with it, and it doesn't include. A lot of times it's not really inclusive of what your tax hit will be if you want that cash. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing. And the other thing about real estate too is like we have the ability 
in these properties to hold. So that's the one downside I would say is it's somewhat illiquid, right? So we have this mm. typically three to seven year hold where you invest and you kind of have to trust the operators to exit at the right time. So let's yeah. say the market takes a huge dive. Our, yeah. our debt coverage ratio is usually somewhere around 1.75. It's like we would need a very serious like bottoming out to not be at least make our debt coverage, right? To at least yeah. not pay our mortgage. Yeah. So yeah. chances are we're just going to kind of hang on, pay the mortgage, cruise along, make some money, maybe not as much money as projected. Then when it comes back, then we can sell. And so it's this kind of position where we can say, you know, yes, the market has a chance to dip at any time, but that doesn't mean we have to realize the losses when it dips. Yeah. We can kind of yeah. hang out, continue just to kind of slowly cash flow. And so that's, there there's just a million reasons why I like it. Yeah, no, I and I'm on the same page. Is there any re, like is there any properties that you guys decide to actually like hold long term? So there are models out there. Um, we don't do that. I think most investors want their money back, right? Yeah. And so they want to have some like time frame. But like, well, when are you going to pay me back? <laughs> so well, they get money along the way, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. There's, there's cash flow along the way. Their, but here's yep. here's like our traditional model, and I'll just say this is like a, not a solicitation. It's just a standard model, so people listening can hear. Let's say you invest $100,000, which I like to use a number because it's a round number. I'm not suggesting yeah. that's our minimum investment. But hundred grand, you are going to get loosely six dollars to $7,000 every year on that investment. So we usually have a 7% preferred return, which just means you're, you're going to get seven grand year over year before we get paid a dime. Mm-hmm. So the, the operators don't get paid anything until we hit that 7%, which is kind of nice too. So you get about that over year over year. Then we sell, we get, you give your money back. Plus the proceeds because you own equity at that point, right? Yep. So usually it's going to be, again, somewhere in the 16 to 20% annualized range, but you're going to get that fee over time. So I think most, or that, that return over time, I think most people want to hear when is the, how long is this? You know, because if you said forever, a lot of people will shy away from that. Mm-hmm. But there are models where they'll say, okay, we're going to refinance in eight years, give you most of your capital back, if not all of it. Yep. And then we'll continue to give returns. And in that sense, that's a pretty cool model. Yeah, yeah. We don't refinancing do right now is a little hard. Exactly. We, we don't <laughs> do that because I don't I don't like to predict what re- refinancing looks like. Yes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like no joke, if it's four years from now, it could be twelve percent or it could be four percent. And either yeah. one of those predictions wouldn't surprise me. So we try <laughs> and stay away from predicting that, you know, uh, or, or which is kind of a dangerous thing. Or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so mm-hmm. you know, the same goes for di- predicting the market. We always assume the market's significantly worse when we sell. Yep. So our, our underwriting says, all right, the market's going to get worse every year from now until we sell. We don't care what the projections say. That's just mm-hmm. how we're going to underwrite it. So still, there is kind of like a little bit of That way it has in. to make sense. Like buffers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the only way, it's the only way to just assume things are going to get worse. So yeah. I mean, appreciation uh, is just like a, almost like a icing on the cake kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. I think that's any good real estate investment. Most people would say that. Now there are markets... Like Durango, where you could probably bet pretty heavily on appreciation. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that with anyone else's money. That's the other thing is like, mm. you know, we are fiduciaries. So we have to take care of people's money and we have to be basically be bound to what's best for the investor capital. Yep. And so in turn, that's basically what's best for the property, right? What's best for the business. So mm. I think, I think there's a lot of benefits to it. I think I've kind of like, smash this into the ground of like how much I believe in it. But I, I appreciate you letting me like go at it for so long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, man. I, I enjoy this stuff and, you know, just 
almost like rehearing it, relearning it, and all that kind of stuff is is great. And I think that's almost like your, I mean, if you're you're it's your job, but it's also something that you believe in and you're passionate about and you want to help people kind of experience the same, you know, financial freedom that you have. Right. So it's like, Hey, this is something I believe in. And, and so, yeah, it's okay to, you know, be passionate about it and talk about it and all that good stuff. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about maybe what your lifestyle looks like versus what it looked like before. Um, you know, and I know you're still hustling and still making things happen, but you know, like how, how old are you, Eric? I'm 38 now. 38. Yep. Yeah. So you're 38 yep. and I mean, you have a, a decent, I mean, you have a pretty good lifestyle for, you know, a 38 year old. So, you know, tell me a little bit about that lifestyle and, and the things that you get to go and enjoy and do and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think one thing I'd love to touch on and I hesitate to like even bring this up really, cause it will sound like maybe bragging or something, but it's something you and I share in common is like, I had a large portion of my life was in mission work. And yeah. so I spent a year traveling the world similar to you doing yeah. some some missions and it really transformed who I am today and so I love to give back I love mm-hmm. to to give back to you know causes that we find close to our heart so that's a huge part of the money that we make is giving back to people that are doing the things I did right yeah, um, yeah. the other thing is like I love to volunteer so I I'm on the board I'm the vice chair of the board of the boys and girls club here and I love that cause i mean they they're like it's such such a cool thing and i i just love like you know like I, i'll just say i love kids man they're so fun they're like so yeah. full of energy and so it's kind of it's kind of cool to be part of that organization because they do an, a huge service for our community and, and most communities where they're in so that type of thing is like one portion of what i get to do with now more of my free time so i i used to you know own an engineering company and I'd spend 45 hours a week just kind of cranking away. And that's really what catapulted me into, into this, Hey, I don't want to do this forever. You know, I don't yeah. want to be clicking this mouse forever. So I still do <laughs> engineering. I still do a lot of septic design because I love it. Yeah. Oddly people kind of make fun of me because I love doing septics, <laughs> but I'll probably do it for a while. Cause I really, really love it, but I've stepped away from any other engineering and focusing on real estate. And so what it's done is freed up time. And so my, our, our passions, my wife and I's passion is, is travel. Mm-hmm. I was interestingly yeah. looking at our budget before this and I was like, man, we spend a lot on travel, but what happened was I like, it made me smile. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I, this is what I want to spend my money on is, is even if it's a camping trip, right? Like we went camping, yeah in the sand dunes last weekend, that's what I want to spend our money and our time on is just hanging with kids, showing them parts of the world. You know, again, we love outdoors and we love travel. So if we're spending our money on those two things, that like is what gets me excited. So that's really kind of our, our lifestyle. And uh, I just, I shared with you, we're headed to Phoenix this weekend and like, yeah, that's, that's so fun for us too. It's, it's like hanging at the pool. We love hiking in yep. Phoenix, I like granite hikes we yeah. get out i don't know anyway so i kind of went on a ramble there but that's really our no, lifestyle. It's good um, yeah it's awesome I and mean, you guys got to you know you guys get to travel around and show the show the kids the world and and all that kind of stuff and and give back you know which is amazing and i love that you know with similar you know i feel like it's similar heartbeats and a lot of the same thing so it's super awesome um i think a lot of people listening are gonna you know naturally be like yeah this we need to go check out this eric guy um so tell me a little bit of about your, your missions and what that looked like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what basically it's interesting, like 
I won't get into kind of my faith story here, but yeah, I, yeah. I basically like, you know, I had this draw to to go do something and it was in the middle of college. And so I will admit my parents were not excited with me taking a year off of school. <laughs> yeah. But I went and uh, took six months to travel to India and Greece and the school was based out of Switzerland. Okay. And I didn't know anything about it. Uh, it's called YWAM. It's called Youth with a Mission. Yep. You can check it out. And, and if you're familiar with missions, you've probably heard of it because it's pretty big. But that really transformed my life. I didn't know really anything about missions whatsoever. I just had this like calling and pull to go. And so I just took a leap of faith, like literally went there and met a bunch of amazing, amazing people. So much so that I basically came back six months later and I led a team to China and the Philippines Nice, and that was a that was a cool experience for me at a very young age, leading, call it mostly eighteen year old kids through a country that really is not excited about missionaries being there. Yeah, and uh, and it also gave me a really cool perspective of what missions are. And so again, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go too deep in here, but I do think that there is, I don't want to say right and wrong, but there is a helpful and hurtful way to be a quote unquote missionary from my perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I learned what yeah. it is to be more helpful. Right. And it comes from just a total place of love. It's here's what I believe. And here's why I'm, and I'm here for you. How can I love you and help you or vice versa? Help each other. Right. Yeah. How can we learn from each other? So that was basically like transformed who I am is it's not an I'm right. And you're wrong. If you, you know, that's, that's where I think you get a little dangerous. It's more of a, here's what I believe and here's why, and how can I love you? And that Mm. really is like the heart of, in my opinion, good missions. And I had a um, friend of mine on my podcast. He's still a missionary to this day. And we met back then. And it's so cool to hear his story. And the way he talks about it just blows me away. I mean, he's like, I'm here to learn. I'm here to like be a shepherd and, you know, just hang out with these people and learn from them. And it's, it's a really cool way to look at it, but it it basically did transform who I am for sure. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just even, even the way you run your business as far as like putting people first and not kicking people out of you know, all of that kind of stuff, I think kind of comes from your heart uh, from doing mission work and stuff like that. And I think that's, uh, that's amazing. And it, and it probably helps you to see, see the world in a different way, you know, through a different lens. And I think that's, uh, that's amazing. So I love, I love that part of your story. Um, tell me, so the bear fruit show, it's all about like, you know, the concept of like, I had a mentor once tell me like, go find somebody with fruit on the tree and learn from them and let their ceiling be your floor. And I've done that in every aspect of my life. And it sounds like there was, there was somebody that you had mentioned a little bit earlier. You had lunch with them later today. Who, who was that that person that you, you were able to learn from that kind of catapult almost like shot you out of the canyon almost to, to get you to where you're at a lot quicker. For sure. Yeah. I think if I had not, so his name is Jens Nielsen. Um, you can Google him. His company is called Open Doors Capital. And so he's, he's, he's like kind of a coach too. And so, you know, he basically helped me open my mind to those things I was talking about before. It's like, why was I afraid of partnership? Right. And why yeah. was I afraid of the unknown? And it helped me kind of just through a series of questions. I mean, that's, that's what a best coach does, in my opinion, is to say, well, why do you think like that? Why is it that way? You know, what would it be like if you, those type of questions just help you like, Oh, well, I don't really know. And you're kind of exploring. And then it was cool too, because he had, he had done what I wanted to do. So to your point, like once I learned, Oh, syndication is this very possible 
very achievable thing. You know, I started going after that and he was like, yeah, I'll help, I'll sign in your first couple deals. I'll help you kind of like get into this world. And then he's like, go for it. You know? So after the first deal, really, we just started doing it on our own. And, it, you know, I'd love to part with him in the future. It's never really worked out because we, we actually invest in different markets, but it's that I attribute a ton of my success to his, you know, mentorship and friendship. And just like, just to your point was, you know, maybe someday I'll surpass him. I mean, who knows, right? That's not the point. It's basically, I was able to learn from him. I'm super grateful for everything that he kind of helped me realize. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, that's cool that you still have, you know, you're still in touch with them. And, and in a way you're like, yeah, maybe one day I'll surpass him like in a fun, like competitive <laughs> way. Like I love that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's kind of <laughs> like, well, we'll see where this ends up. But now they do a lot of deals and they're a pretty powerful team. And he's just a really cool guy. I mean, overall, just an, an outstanding friend too. And that's part of it as well. It's just mm-hmm. like, just a good guy to know and be around. And so I'm super, super grateful. There's no doubt. And, you know, as long as we're talking about gratitude, it's like everything that I've done, I feel like I'm talking about myself. That's not mm-hmm. really the case, right? It's like my wife and my friends and my parents and people supporting me. Everything that like quote unquote I've done or Wild Oak has done has been a hundred percent team effort. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of like, you know, I wouldn't be able to do any of that without the support of, of Marie, my wife. And so yeah. I, you know, I hate, I like, it's important to say, any sort of quote unquote success I've achieved is definitely not just from me. Uh, sure. I've been the one to kind of take the action probably, but it comes with a mountain of support from people around me. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's, I love, there is one key thing that you did say in there is like, you were the one that took action, right? Cause there's a lot of people out there who allow fear to get in the way or they got to figure, feel like they have to have everything figured out before they even, you know, start their business or do anything like that. But you were willing to take action. And obviously you had the support of your wife, mentors and people along the way that have made it possible. You know, what, what do you feel like for you, um, you know, allowed you to take that action? Yeah. I mean, I love the question. So one of the questions I ask on my podcast is like kind of a similar question, something to the effect of like, what has led to some of your success? And what's interesting is it's, I would say 95% of the time, it's basically consistency and just like dedication or like devotion or, you know, basically what I'll say is for me, it was just getting out of my own way. It was getting Mm -hmm. out of my way of fear and just say, all right, I'm going to try this and see what happens and just start going. Here's the other thing is, is, you know, motivation wanes. So you can, you can be listening to this podcast and be like, yes, I'm going to go do syndication. That motivation is short lived, right? Yeah. But what is long lived are your habits. So if you mm-hmm. start placing habits where you're going to start doing one small thing every day, regardless of how you feel, those things last a lifetime. So, you know, there's a couple of books around this. I think Atomic Habits is a pretty good one. Um, High yeah. Performance Habits is like my favorite book of all time. But basically, mm-hmm. I think for me, it was basically like, all right, what are the, the things I can do every day? Just take one step forward every day. And that's kind of even what I do now. Even if I've got 10 minutes, I'm like, all right, what can I do to kind of move the needle a little bit? And that's that's kind of for me was, was it. It was like, okay, let's just take one step forward. Yeah. I've used this analogy a million times. So I, I'm sure if people have listened to me or know me, they've probably heard this. But I love the analogy of the flashlight at night. So like, let's say you know where you're going. Let's say you, you know this trail goes to a cabin, right? 
mm-hmm. and it's at night and all you can see is the 10 feet in front of you. You know where you're going, but you have to just keep going, even though you can't see the rest of the trail. That's kind of how like a goal is for me. Set a five-year goal. You know the end goal. You don't know the path. It's going to wind all over the place. Yeah. But you know the you know the step in front of you. Just start walking. Just start taking that first step. And eventually, you'll get to that cabin. So, I think like that's an analogy I really love because you can't see where it's going to go. And stuff comes yeah. up. Maybe yeah. there's, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a crevice where you have to walk around. It's like whatever, you know, things change. So, I just really love that. So, for me, I just say essentially is one step at a time. It was like, all right, I don't know where this goes. I don't know how this looks. I don't know. I don't know how to build a website. Who do I know? Who knows how? Yeah. I don't know how to raise capital. Who do I know? Who knows how? Who can teach me? Or what book can I read? You know, or what podcast can yeah. I listen to? It's so funny, Kyle. I was just listening to the train because I'm on the south side of town. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're listening to me. in the background here. So if the that's listeners awesome. hear the train from my mic and then from yours, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me, uh, so if what, what would you encourage somebody if you know they have to take one action step and they're like, yeah, I want to, I want to invest in real estate, or I want to figure what that out, what that looks like. You know, you guys are talking about something that I, I, I want for my life. What would be that one action step that you have for them? Yeah, I think the first step before even like true action is define your why. So let's say, okay, you want to invest in real estate, or you want to become a real estate agent. You would become the best real estate agent in Durango. Whatever your goal is, right? I would say, start with the end in mind. So with that goal, let's say you said, I want to have $100,000 in passive income 10 years from now. Whatever the goal is. Yeah. I would say, define why. So I'd say, why do you want to have that? And they might say, well, I have more money. Cool. Why do you want more money? Um, to be spend more time with my family. Okay. Now you're getting into it. Why do you want to spend more time with your family? You know, kind of Mm -hmm. that rabbit hole will define that this is why I'm going to work hard. This Mm -hmm. in the end is my reason to work when I'm tired. When I have a one month old and I got a podcast at 9am, you know, I'm exhausted or whatever, you know, like it's the thing that's going to keep you going. So before even action is defined, why you want to do that? And you, then you can hold tight to it. Then from there, if you want to invest in real estate, get educated. That's the number one thing. Listen to Kyle's podcast, read a book, listen to other podcasts around what you're interested in and make sure what you're investing in, you have a good understanding of. Yeah, then the yeah. next thing is just take action. It's, you you know, get that cash together. Doesn't matter if it's $200, doesn't matter if it's $100,000, get it together and take action. Find the investment yeah. you like and go for it. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you have a podcast specifically on, on real estate investing. So what, um, where can people find that? Yeah, I love it. Thanks for letting me pitch it. It's, it's called the real estate mindset. So mm-hmm. as you can tell, I'm like super into mindset. I mean, I love this goal stuff, this why stuff, why are people doing what they're doing? So you can check it out. Real estate mindset. It's on every platform. Um, I definitely focus on syndication, but I have all kinds of guests on there and we talk about all kinds of stuff. So yeah, yeah. hopefully, uh, hopefully people can check it out. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, where can people find you, Eric? Like if they're like, Hey, I want to, you know, I have some money and I'd like to try to figure out how to, you know, invest it. How do I know if it's enough? Um, maybe it's a, you know, a doctor or a surgeon, or a dentist, or, you know, somebody who's got, money under the couch, you know, or, or okay, they should pull out. What, uh, where, where can they find you? 
Yeah. So first of all, I'll say like, I've, we've had all walks of life invested us. My, my closest friend from my, like growing up as a teacher and he invested with us. So you don't have to be super wealthy. You know, that's kind of the one thing I like about it. We have a minimum investment of 25,000, which is yeah. a lot of money, but it's kind of an achievable number for lots of people. Yeah. It can't be your last 25, right? We want to make sure you have a rainy day fund. But I like to say that distinction because there is this sort of thinking around, oh, I got to be rich. The rich keep getting richer. That's not really the case. I mean, we like to have anyone who has the av- available money who's ready to invest. It's a pretty cool thing. It's not a huge, huge number, right? But you can find me at wildoakcapital.com. Uh, if you email me at eric at wildoakcapital.com, I will always get back. I'm super good at email. Um, I'm on nice. social media, but you can find all that stuff on the website. So that's the one place to go. Okay. Wildoakcapital.com. We'll make sure we'll put that in the description and all that fun stuff. So uh, thanks for coming on, Eric. That was fun. And I love learning from you. Um, I always go back and listen to my podcast. And this is going to be one that I listen to and take notes on and all that kind of stuff. So um, excited. Yeah, Kyle. Thanks for having me on, man. I, I really, you know me, I, I respect I respect you so much. And uh, so it's my pleasure to be here and uh, absolutely appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Make sure you guys go follow Eric. Check out his website and uh, listen to his podcast. He's got some great stuff on there. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Let's go.